this morning, my message is, it happened, but there's still hope. It happened, but there's still hope. Last week, I started a, a talk or a sermon on the uh, topic of hope, and we saw from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that he elevated this thing called hope to a high level. Paul said, now abides forever faith, hope, and love. We teach a lot on faith and a lot on love, and, and uh, I haven't taught so much on hope, and I was considering that. Now, of course, Paul says the greatest of these is love, and I understand that. So love is the essence of what we, it comes out in everything we teach, and you'll hear that even this morning. But this thing called hope, what is hope? And we look at hope, and we often look at the effects of hope in our personalities and in our, in our lives. And when you, when you have hope in your heart and mind and personality, you're, there's a spring in your step, right? There, there's, a, there's a sense of joy de vivre. There's a, you know, you see the best in things. And when you're full of hope, you, even your thought process becomes positive, doesn't it? You're, you, 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 why? Because of hope. But that's the effect. And, and I'm not here today so much to, 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 set, to, to look at the effect because that's easy. But I also recognize that for every effect, there is a cause. And I'm interested today for my life and for your life and for this church, what is the cause of hope? Because if we can understand the cause of hope, we can live in hope and enjoy the side benefits of hope because we understand where it comes from. Amen? And we saw last week, we saw the, the essence, the root of, we started last week, so I'm doing a bit of a recap, but we saw the essence of hope comes from the presence of Jesus within our hearts. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we have been born again to a living or the experience of hope in Christ Jesus. We have the living hope within. Colossians chapter 1 it talks about the mystery of the gospel. And that mystery is the, 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 the <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, but go ahead and put it up for me because this is such a famous verse and I'm forgetting. You have Colossians chapter 1, Ramona. We were together in the 9 o'clock service as all, already where it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, you know it, you're keeping me on my toes in this wintry, summer, wintry day. Christ in you, the, the hope of glory. You have hope living in us. So what is hope? Hope is the experience of the power and the presence of Christ or God's love in you. You see, why does that give us strength and encouragement this morning? It is because no matter the circumstances, Christ never leaves you. He's within you, and the living hope is within. Now, watch this. Why am I, where is this even important to address? Because the world says this is foolishness. The world says, don't get your hopes up. And it would laugh and ridicule as saying that you, have, you can have hope. There's nothing new in that, by the way. The Greek playwrights, the Greek philosophers who were alive before Christ, 300 years before Christ, they believed that hope was the greatest evil on the planet. They told stories about Pandora's box, and it would be open, releasing the evils, all the evils on the world, and yet there would be one evil too great to release, and that was the evil of hope. Can you imagine? Because they believed that hope was disillusioned us, to give false hopes, to believe in something that would never happen. And unfortunately, I think in our society today, we've become a bit of a hopeless society as well. In fact, I, I, I saw just uh, 
just a, an, art, an article the other week in Business Week magazine that said that millennials are set to live a shorter lifespan than the generation before them. In other words, Generation X. So it's not a big time gap. And the reason is hopelessness, mental illness, depression. And so I see this pervasive hopelessness settling on our society. And, and it's important that we preach this as a church, first of all, for ourselves, that we don't fall prey to that sense of hopelessness, that sense of doom and gloom, because we find our, our hope in, in Christ Jesus. And it's so essential. You see, Paul, he came on the scene in that culture of the Greek philosophers, in that, that setting where, evil was the, where hope was the greatest evil. And yet in the midst of all that, Paul said, now abide forever, faith, hope, and love. I'm sure that's why he said in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because, you know, you go out and tell people in your workplace and all that you have hope. And they laugh at you, right? Oh, what can you have hope for? In the end, you give it all up, right? But we have hope today. And it's essential that we have it in the foundation of what we believe and of, in the foundation of our lives. How many know foundations are important? The foundations of a building, if you don't have the foundation right, you can build the most beautiful structure or edifice, but it'll crumble because the foundation is flawed. And I believe that Paul was directing, and God through the Apostle Paul was directing our attention to have this thing called hope in the foundation of our lives. That's why Jesus said, told parables uh, about a seed that fell on, on certain different types of soils. One of the types of soils, it sprang to life, but then it was choked out by the thorns of life. And the thorns, they, they speak of the cares and the, the difficulties. That's what I call the it's. The it's happen. The it's speak of the difficulties, the setbacks. And Jesus said that if, we, if we're not careful, the, when it comes, when the difficulty, the setbacks, it can choke out our, our faith in Christ. It can choke out and we can fall away. And Jesus warned us of this. In fact, he said, John, in the book of John, he said, you know, recognize what's going on here. He said, you know, in this life you will have, you'll have troubles, you'll have trials, he said. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Amen? But it's important that we go in eyes wide open. You know, just like the doc they tell us to exercise our physical bodies so that we're prepared for, you know, so that we have healthy bodies to, you know, to, to fight off germs or illnesses. We have to prepare our minds, prepare what we think. We have to be ready so that, well, oh, my goodness, it happened, and we fall apart. Recognize this. Jesus said, you're going to have some it's. You're going to have some setbacks and trials. But be of good cheer, he's saying. In other words, have hope because I've overcome the world. I'm here this morning on this snowy Sunday to say we can have hope in this life. We have the hope, one who is hope living within us. But let's take it a step further. Let's break it down further. In fact, in the scripture Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, there's a, there's a scripture that points us towards this hope that we have in Christ. Go ahead and put it up, Ramon, for me there, if you would. It says, as for you, because of the blood of the covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Now, this verse is saying a lot. We're going to break it down. First of all, waterless pit. What is that referring to? Well, the waterless pit is a, you know, in that ancient culture that a captive will be put into a pit to be held captive. For example, Joseph was put into a pit. In the scriptures in Genesis, Joseph, the man with the coat of many colors, was betrayed by his brothers and put into a pit. It would have been a waterless pit held to created to keep him captive. There was no water there, but he was captive, and Joseph was put into this waterless pit. So the waterless pit in the book of Zechariah speaks of hopeless situations in our lives. 
And hopeless situations, when, when hopeless situations come, we can feel trapped, can't we? You know, it could be you're believing God for a promise and it hasn't happened yet, and so you feel trapped. Or a doctor, let's, let's make it more practical, more real. A doctor comes back and says, this is your blood work. It looks like you have A, B, and C. You know, you feel trapped by the diagnosis. What's my way forward? How do I get out of this diagnosis? Or the, your, your financial accountant comes and says, look, you got a lot more red on this account sheet than you have black. How many know you feel trapped? That's what it's talking about when it talks about waterless pits. It's in a place of entrapment in our lives that, if we're not careful, can produce a sense of hopelessness. And yet Zechariah, the prophet, is pointing us towards the hope that we can find. Yes, he was an old covenant prophet, but how much more now today in the new covenant can we have this hope? And where does he say we attach our hopes to? He says, because of the blood of your covenant. Now watch this. You see, this should give us all hope here today. And by the end, I hope we're dancing in joy at the thought of it because if my hope in getting out of the, the bad doctor's report, if my hope of turning the red into black on my financial report, if my hope is in my ability to get it done, if my hope is in your ability to get it done, or in my goodness to get God to answer my prayers, then my hope is on shaky ground, and so is yours. But the Scriptures are directing our attention not to place our hope in being set free, our hope in receiving the answer to our prayer, the healing to our body, the breakthrough for our finances, is not directing our attention and our hopes to our abilities whether it be just to get it done or to get God to answer. But it, our hope is placed in this blood of the covenant. In other words, our freedom comes not because you deserve it so much, but because of the blood of Christ Jesus. And the Scriptures, we saw it last week. And so I'm not going to spend too much time, but in the book of Hebrews, and we looked there last week that we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. And I explained what the anchor of the soul meant last week. So you can go online and get that teaching for free. But there's still something there I want us to see today. It says we have this hope as the anchor of our soul. And this hope, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Watch this. Remember, we're talking about the power of the blood that works on our behalf today. Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. And for this reason, he is mediator of the new covenant. In other words, what happened here is Jesus came into the throne room of heaven. He approached the mercy seat, and he put his very own blood. And he forever sealed an eternal covenant of favor and grace on our behalf. So that today, when we are in the waterless pit, or when it happens, we come as to a place of refuge by holding on to hope in this covenant of Jesus' blood that is now on the mercy seat. But I want to take it a step further because we often focus on the judicial side of what took place. Jesus' blood forgave us 
Now we are forever clean, and, and we have been made righteous in Christ. And this is all, I mean, I preach this all the time, and I'm going to keep preaching it. So, so, you know, with the gospel, it's like a fine diamond. You can turn it this way, that way. There's a different, there's a different ray of sunlight that, that comes gleaming. And, and, and this is the, the gleam that I want us to see this morning. In fact, it wasn't even a part of my sermon. And yet, you know, sometimes you discover stuff when you're really up against it, if you will. And, you know, this, you know we all go through stuff, right? I mean, looking at red-blooded human beings, we, we go through stuff. And when you're going through stuff, what happens? Your, your mind just starts going, right? Like a hamster on a, you're looking at me so holy this morning. But anybody ever been on that hamster ro- or a, that hamster wheel in your mind? You know, it's like you're just trying to figure it out, right? Well, I'm kind of the same. I'm red-blooded too. And so this week there was, a, you know, I, I forget which night it was, but it doesn't matter. I was awake. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. Now I don't like being awake at three o'clock in the morning, especially with a baby and a toddler. You know, you, you, you can need a lot of energy the next day. So I was kind of, you know, upset that I'd be awake, and my mind was just running. I couldn't get to sleep, and, and yet, and so I, you know, I'm meditating on, you know, and that happens I've, as I've taught you and as I preach all the time. Meditate on the scriptures, and I was doing that. But you know, your mind goes back and forth between that. You know, this is God's promise says, yeah, but I got to figure this out, and yeah, but yeah, but God, you promised this, and yeah, you know how it goes, right? So I'm not saying I was completely despondent, but this was going on. And, and I wish it had come maybe this thought or this revelation would have come at four o'clock so I could get back to sleep. It didn't, so I was awake the rest of the day. But anyhow, <laughs> but, but but it came early in the morning, and 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 it was this. God directed my attention back to John 17, and I don't even have it on the screen, but it, I, I tell you, you're going to remember. You probably remember this of anything that I say today. But, but in John 17, Jesus says something incredibly powerful. And he's talking to the Father, but I think he's talking to the Father on our behalf so we can hear him. And Jesus says to the Father, Father, I thank you, and I'm paraphrasing, but Father, I thank you that you love them with the same love that you have loved me. How many remember that? You've heard, remember what Jesus said this. Father, I thank you that you have loved them with the same love that you have loved me. I mean, let the quarter drop in your thinking for a moment here right now. Just let it, that's why I've slowed it down a little bit. Think about this for a moment. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, Father, you love them just like you love me. I mean, think about this for a moment. The Father has the same love for you that he has for Jesus? I mean, I've heard that before, but when, when I heard it this week, I mean, it came out. I was, I tell you what, the, I, normally when you're awake at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're dragging throughout the rest of the day. Well, this revelation hit me I- I early in the morning, and I had the most energetic, pr- productive day. I wasn't tired at a- an ounce. I was even up late the next night. I was full, so full of energy because I began to see, not, I mean, I've heard it, of course, but, I, but to see the Father loves me like he loves Jesus. I mean, if this doesn't give hope in the midst of whatever that it is that you're going, because think about the implications for a minute. It's hard to, for for example, because we think of Jesus as perfect, never needing help. But what if Jesus needed help? Don't you think the Father would help him? Come on, talk to me. I know it's snowy and we're all frozen, but anyhow, but, but, but talk to me. If Jesus had a need... Do you think that the Father would help him? This side's got it. 
Now, if Jesus, now I, you know, I understand what I'm saying. I understand Jesus is Jesus. He was God. He was sinless. But if Jesus needed a breakthrough, don't you think the Father would give it to him? If Jesus needed healing in his body, don't you think the Father would give it to him? Why? Because he loves him. But what Jesus is telling us is that the Father has the same love for us that he has for his Son, Jesus Christ. And so whatever it is that we're going through, the it's of life, it may not seem like he's helping, but I can hold on to this reality and promise that the Father loves me like he loves Jesus. I may not see the answer yet, but I can hold on to hope knowing that he's not going to leave me nor forsake me because with the same love that he has for Jesus, he has for me. You see, and that's why the blood of the covenant, let's go back there, the blood of the covenant is so crucial because the blood of the covenant was signed, sealed, and delivered, and it said it's eternal. And this blood covenant has dictated and has declared that you are sons and daughters of a living God. And as sons and daughters, you are joint heirs with Christ. Yes, we can understand it judicially, but let us understand it in an emotional feeling type of way, if you will. That he loves you like he loves Jesus. And if you have a need, he'll help you because he loves you. You can hold on to this in your darkest night. I tell you what, I think it was Wednesday night, I have slept like a baby ever since. I have slept like a baby. And, uh, you know, have I solved all the problems? No, I haven't. In fact, I haven't. In fact, as a, as a pastor, uh, you know, on a day like today, I knew the weather prognosis. You know, those kind of nice guys uh, can be sleepless. I slept like a baby last night. I, because I just, as the thought comes, Father, I thank you that you love me like you love Jesus. That means I'm favored and I'm, I'm blessed. You help Jesus walk on water. Well, I'm not going to attempt to walk on water. But the same love. Return. Look at the blood of the covenant. It says you're a son. You're a daughter. You have an inheritance today. Maybe you're in the it. You're in the waterless pit like Joseph who was sold into slavery. I'm saying hold on to that. Hold on to hope. There's protection there. There's protection there in, in that covenant. There's protection we, we hold on. You know, in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the first time hope was mentioned was in a story now in the Hebrew, the word hope, it, it means tigva, which actually means in, in our English language, rope. It means a rope. And the very first time this was mentioned in the, the Hebrew scriptures was in the story of a, of a Gentile prostitute. Her name was Rahab. Many of you may have heard of her. She was a, alive in Jericho at the time when Joshua and the Hebrew people were coming into the promised land. And the people had heard about the God working on their behalf, the people of Jericho had heard that God was fighting their battles, and they were afraid. Now jo Joshua sent in two spies into Jericho, and they began to spy out the land, and yet they were discovered. And there was this prostitute named Rahab, and she, she ended up hiding there. Now she asked, she said, you know, she, she said, I'm afraid. I know that you guys, God's fighting your battles, and I'm afraid that I'll, I'll be destroyed when you guys attack our city. So, so would you help me? I'm helping you. Would you help me? She's a good bargainer, right? She's a good, you know, like many people in this room, you're a good bargainer. She's bargaining with them. And they give her this promise. They said in Joshua, they said, when we come into the land, bind this line or tikva. In other words, they're saying, bind this hope of scarlet cord. 
The scarlet cord is a picture of the blood of Christ. In other words, they're saying, hold on. When you, they, they said, put the, physically, they said, put this cord out the window, and when we come, bring in your father, your mother, your brothers, all your household, bring them into your home, and you will be protected. She did that. But there's a picture for us today. We don't necessarily have to hang a, a red cord out your apartment or out your, out, your, out your car window. You don't have to, don't go and do that, right? But, but, but it's speaking of in our, in, our, in our, what we believe. And it's saying when we have, hold on to this hope in the blood of Christ, there is protection for our families. There's protection for our finances when the destroyer comes. We are protected as we hold on to this hope in the blood of Christ that the Father loves me like he loves Jesus and he's going to protect me and he's going to help my family and he's going to help my finances because I'm loved the blood of the covenant. Hold on to the, hold on to the, this hope. And I'm telling each of us, I'm telling myself first, I'm preaching to myself obviously, but as we hold on to this hope, we, we, we decide, do we hold on to hope or do we let go? Jesus said, some seeds fall under thorny soil, but, I'm, but Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome. Don't give up on hope. And I know in many ways, anyone who would come out on an icy day like today, you are people of hope. So look at your neighbor and say, you're a person who's holding on to hope. Look at your neighbor and encourage them, they're holding on to hope. But I don't care who I, that's, I'm, maybe I'm just re-strengthening your hopes, right? But but, but, but the reality is God knows who's here today. And there's a breath of the Spirit. He's coming. It's a, in fact, go, let's go back to Zechariah. What did Zechariah say? He says, return to the stronghold. Now, in the Scriptures, and I, I've taught this a lot, and we've taught this here at, the, so at our church, what is a stronghold? Well, practically a stronghold is a castle, if you will. Uh, but, but when Paul talks about it in the New Covenant or in the New Testament, Paul talks about strongholds and he says, pull down every stronghold or high, high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And so in that perspective, we see strongholds as a negative thing, things that they're thought patterns that, that exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ. Uh, they could, there, there could be thoughts of, well, if I do such and such, then God will bless me. That's a stronghold. That's a, that's a negative thought pattern that works against us. And so these strongholds, they're, they're ways we think, ways we believe. And if, when we believe wrong, we, we act wrong. And so that, that, but, but how many know a stronghold is, is simply a thought pattern? And a thought pattern can be either good or bad. How many understand that? A thought, your thought, you can have good thoughts, you can have bad thoughts. Therefore, we can have good strongholds or we can have bad strongholds. And yes, Paul tells us to tear down the bad ones, right? Yeah? But at the same time, he's saying here, we can create positive strongholds in our minds that protect us against the storms that come against us. And what are these positive strongholds? They are thought patterns that hold on to hope in the blood covenant of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, when the hopeless thought comes and says, quit. You say, no, but I understand who I am in Christ, that I am a new creation in Him, that old things have passed away and all things have become new for my body, for my health, for my children. I know who I am. This is a positive stronghold. And Paul and Zechariah is saying, run to this place. Create these patterns of belief in your mind because it is a foundation through which safety and victory come in our lives. Loved like Jesus. 
You know, religion tells us love like Jesus, right? You've heard that teaching. Well, I've heard it a lot out here. Love like Jesus. In other words, love God like Jesus. Love your neighbor like Jesus loves your neighbor. But the message of the gospel is you are loved like Jesus. And there's nothing. He will move every rock. He will move every, every go to every valley to help you because he loves you like Jesus. And if we can accept that, this is a place of protection, a place of security in our lives when the storm, when the it comes, return to this stronghold. I can't say what kind of news you're going to get this week, but I can say you have this stronghold in Christ. You have this covenant of favor and mercy and grace. And the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm here to help you to think on these things. Paul said, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, think on these things. Our thoughts matter. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In some ways, it can even become a burden. I've got to change my thoughts. Just start by thinking, I'm loved like Jesus. I'm loved like Jesus. I'm loved, say it with me, I'm loved like Jesus. I'm loved like Jesus. I'm loved like Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you're loved like Jesus. He says, return to the stronghold. It's a place of security, and it's a place of prosperity. You know, I told you, when I, when I, this dropped in my heart this week, I had the most productive, I mean, you'll be the most productive person. When you walk, you'll just, I mean, it doesn't mean all the problems go, but when you're filled, remember what, remember what we talked about, what is hope? It's the, the spring in your step, filling the world is at your, at your, at your fingertips. The world is your, you know what I mean? You can do all things through Christ. When hope is in your heart, hope is not dependent on circumstances, but hope is dependent on Christ within, recognizing that I'm loved like Jesus. It becomes a place of security. You'll be better at work. You'll be a better employee, a better spouse, by the way. Can you imagine? Now, 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 now I'm not done yet. But can you imagine, you know, when you're tired, because I'm saying all this because I'm about to you know, say something about myself, and I don't want you condemning me. So, but when you're tired, when I'm tired, I don't make the, I'm not the most pleasant husband. I'll just be honest. But I have a feeling when you're tired, you're not the most pleasant person to be around either. I know it's a small sample size, but still, I tell you, that day I was so full of love. I was sending love notes to my wife. I tell you, that day I got up at 3 a.m. because I was so consumed by, by thoughts in my mind. You know, I was, I, I was, I'm telling you, it was miraculous. It was beautiful. You say, well, this just works for you. No, it's not. You know this to be true. When you know that you're loved, you just can't help but love other people. This helps for every area of life. I'm telling you what. I see some wives, they're nudging their husbands. you got to know you're loved like Jesus. But anyhow, we all know we're loved like Jesus, and we walk in forgiveness and grace. Amen? I tell you what, sleep like a baby at night. And then he says, and then let's go to that last part. He says, you prisoners of hope. You prisoners of hope. I like that. And that's my prayer for every one of us in this room, that we become prisoners of this. You see, when you're a prisoner, you lose your options, don't you? I mean, if I'm a prisoner, uh, Carrie used to work at the Don. She tells me horror stories about it. If I was a prisoner, if that, that jail was still open, I mean, you know, I can't go to breakfast when I feel like it, right? I got to wait for the guard to open the door. I can't just go for a run. I can't just, I can't just go for pizza when I feel like it, right? I got to wait for the guard. God's saying be a prisoner of this hope. In other words, don't let the negative strongholds, the negative thoughts take over. 
But keep feasting on this reality that you're loved like Jesus. And when you know you're loved like Jesus, you, you, you know that you are favored. You know that there'll be a way out of whatever circumstance you're facing. You know that even when it looks like you're going the wrong way, you know in your heart you're going the right way because even though you can't see it, you know who's directing your steps, the one who loves you like Jesus. You see, it was, it was Joseph, I started today's talk, Joseph was put in a waterless pit, right? And yet we know the end of Joseph's story. He was set free and he became second in command, right? He held on to hope. But, watch this. You know, if I was Joseph and holding on to hope, I probably would have been thinking, well, God, this is my pathway out of here. I'm in the pit. I lost my coat of many colors. I've been rejected by my brothers. This is my way out. I'd be saying, God, I expect my dad to come rescue me out of this pit. I expect you to put the coat of many colors back on me. And then I expect my brothers to bow down to me like I saw in my dream. That would probably have been the way that I set up my hopes and dreams, right? But that wasn't the way God directed Joseph. In actuality, even though it was God directing his steps and he went to the palace, he had to go a little bit lower before he went higher, didn't he? It got a little bit darker before it got brighter. Joseph was sold, was betrayed when he was a slave, put into jail, forgot about it. I mean, it got darker. And so why I'm saying that is because sometimes you hear, we hear mess. I hear, I, <coughs> I preach to myself, we hear messages like this. And then the next day it looks like it gets darker, not brighter. But, but, but Nathan, you said there'd be hope. But remember, where do we put our hope? When our hope, see, our hope is not to be based in the circumstance. The circumstances will change. Read the scriptures. But when our hope is in the change of circumstances, then it, we get quickly disillusioned and disappointed. But when our hope is in this reality that I'm loved like Jesus, I can be betrayed by Potiphar's wife. I can be betrayed in the jail. I can be forgotten about. But I am full of that hope within. Christ within the hope of glory. And I can sleep like a baby knowing that it may not to me in the, in the natural. It doesn't seem like I'm on the pathway to deliverance. It doesn't seem like I'm on the pathway to victory in my health or my body, my finances. It doesn't seem like it right now. But I can sleep like a baby because I know I'm loved like Jesus. And it's been sealed by an eternal blood covenant that is forevermore on the mercy seat of heaven that screams mercy and grace and his favor chases me down all the days of my life. I'm making it personal for me, but you make it personal for you. Amen? I don't feel, Nathan, like favor is chasing me down. It is. Favor is chasing you. You said my, my year 2019 has been just a write-off. Favor is chasing you down. doesn't look like it. It is chasing you down. How do you say that, Nathan? That's what the scriptures say, and that's what the covenant of grace says that you are in. Hold on to hope. Your 2019 can end brighter than it started. Maybe it won't. But when you know that you're loved by him, you can keep praying for that, that child. doesn't seem like you're changing yet. I know who. I know my father loves my child like he loves his own son, Jesus. You see how it changes everything? We can rest in our prayers instead of the frantic, you know, we're embarking on a prayer campaign this week. And I encourage each of us, take that sheet and let's pray every day, corporately. But, but don't pray frantic prayers. Pray prayers knowing that you are loved by the Father. And the Father delights in answering your prayers because he loves you like Jesus. You see, 
we don't get it sometimes, and I don't get it many times, but the trouble we're going through is often transporting us to the very place of victory that he's taking us. The trouble that you're, the darkness that you're in, it's actually moving you forward. It's depositing something in you. That's why Paul said in Romans 5, rejoice in tribulations and trials because it's building character, and this character produces hope. We can rejoice in the midst of whatever it is, and I'm encouraging all of us today. Victory is has your name on it. There's victory coming in your circumstances. Hold on to hope. This deep, deep founded hope that you are loved like Jesus. Loved like Jesus. Loved like Jesus. If you take one thing home with you today, on those icy roads, please, on those icy roads as you're driving or walking or on the bus, say, I'm loved and protected like Jesus. You know, there is no rock that the Father wouldn't turn over for Jesus, is there? No rock. There's no rock he wouldn't turn over for you. There's no valley that the Father wouldn't go down into for Jesus. There's no valley that he wouldn't go into for you. Your children, your finances, I tell you, this is just a calm and a peace. I'm excited, but I've toned it down because I, there's, a, there's a rest in that reality and that knowledge. The scripture says to labor to enter into that rest. So sometimes, yeah, the thoughts will come trying to stir you up. Go back to this reality. I'm loved like Jesus. Amen loved like Jesus. Let everybody stand across this room. I want to pray right now. Maybe there's a challenge you're going through. It could be a financial challenge. It could be, singers, come on up here. It could be a challenge in your physical body. You know what kind of family here this morning. It's a different Sunday because of the weather. I want you to just take the hand of the person next to you. Let's pray for each other right now. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I worship you right now. Father, I thank you. Shiki broko sante. We're kind of turning this into one of our one night, one night, one p.m. encounter services. But how many know there's power? I love corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is powerful. You know, you carry God with you, and you and God show up, and then join in prayer, and join in the presence with your neighbor. There's a power release where two or three pray, gathered in my name, there am I. Amen. So let's pray right now. Singers, musicians, come on up here. Father, I thank you right now that you work in us to will to do your good pleasure. I thank you that even. This act of returning to the stronghold and being a prisoner of hope, Father, you do that in and through us and for us. Father, I thank you that you are moving us forward, even when it looks like we're going backwards, even when it looks like we're going deeper into the valley. You're still, we can understand we're moving forward. We're moving forward by your grace. And Father, I thank you that I can stand here today and confidently say that we're, we will not be in the same place. We will, be, we will not be in the same place next year this time that we are today. But you're moving us forward. Father, I thank you that as we come to this place of rest and this knowledge that we are loved like your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you that our situations are transformed. I thank your relationships are transformed. I thank you, Father, that financial situations are turned around. I thank you, Father, that there is breakthrough, freedom, and deliverance. Lord, your word says that faith operates through this love. Faith is being birthed right now. In this calm and in this rest and in this peace, Father, I thank you that you're speaking to individuals. Lord, you said in Jeremiah 33 that we, when we call upon you, you will show us great and mighty things that we did not know. And I thank you right now that you are showing individuals great and mighty things for their lives right now that they did not know. Supernatural gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge working and operating now in the name of Jesus, Father. I thank you for insight into business. I thank you for insight into relationships, Father. How to reestablish a connection that was lost, Father, in the name of Jesus. Divine wisdom and insight. You said that you would show us things that we did not know. 
Jesus, I thank you that even tonight as individuals go to bed, they, they will, you will be speaking to them. Holy Spirit, you'll begin to open their eyes to begin to see things in their family, see things in their finances, how they can change. Turn around. Father, I thank you. I worship you today. Father, I thank you for revealing this love to us. I thank you for loving us like you loved your son, Jesus. So knowing that, Father, I thank you that there is no sick body that, that you would leave us. I thank you, Father, that if Jesus was sick, you would heal him for sure. We know that you'll do the same for us today. I speak to that person who received a bad report this week, a bad, a bad report through their blood work, and said, you have X, Y, Z wrong. You felt trapped. You felt like you were in a waterless pit. I speak to that in the name of Jesus. You will live and you will not die. The enemy's trying to put you into a hopeless situation. Hold on to hope. The blood of the covenant, not because you deserve it, but because Jesus produced it and he put his blood eternal blood on the throne room the mercy seat of heaven and it's yours today in Jesus name receive that help Jesus I worship you I thank you I thank you father for restful increase in the heart in, in the lives of every member of this church family I thank you for a greater joy a greater peace swelling up in the hearts and minds of every individual here where there was, I speak to a parent who has been in anxiety, losing sleep over their child. I speak peace in the name of Jesus. Allow his grace to flow by staying at peace and at rest. Return to the stronghold of hope. Be a prisoner of hope today. That means when the negative thought comes, say, no, I'm loved like Jesus. When the enemy says you're going to be, this is your dead end, this is your end, you'll never see better days. No, I'm loved like Jesus, so I know my best days are still out in front of me. Father, I thank you that you still have dreams for 80-year-olds. I thank you, Father, even for young people who, who, who you know, I, speak, I pray for the young people, Lord. The people that the, the, the reports say are going to die young because of depression. Father, I thank you for hope in their hearts. Jesus, we worship you today. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. It happened, but there's still hope. Why? I want you to, I want you to, if you take nothing else home with you today, remember that. If you face a challenge at work tomorrow, a challenge in your life, I'm loved like Jesus. I'm loved like Jesus. You know, that's the point of incarnation. It's the point of, we're coming up to the, we're in the Christmas season, right? It's December. You know what the point of the incarnation was? God taking on human flesh in Jesus Christ to show us what it was like to live as a human being in a relationship of love with the Father. So we look to Jesus, not as an example of how to live our lives, other than the fact that we are to look to him how he related to the Father. In the same way Jesus related to the Father, you can relate to him too. That's why we come boldly to the throne of grace. That's why we can have confidence in the midst of the storm. Amen? I know there, there is a literal storm going on outside, so we can have confidence and protection. I pray that for protection is angels guiding you on your way home, keeping you safe, and that we see you next week. Or if you want to stay for 1 o'clock, moving by grace and the gifts of the Spirit, I'll be here, and I'm excited to preach it. But anyhow, go in.